I've now found the uh, Richard Beckinsale's post porridge sitcom. And it's about essentially about uh, a young man who works in a garden centre and gets off with all the ladies. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of List Envy. We're still doing it. It's still happening. I am still Mark Stedman and I will remain uh, in, in that position as as your leading uh, provider of Mark Stedman's uh, until such time as um, a referendum is called and, uh, and and a vote of no confidence is delivered in my podcast leadership. Um, this is the show where I talk to a friend and together we build a top five list of things that the guest chooses. Now, it's recently come to my attention um, that this is something that, that some people might consider a draft, um, which in, in, in podcasting, in certain circles in podcasting terms, is, is sort of trodden ground. And it's kind of essentially what we're doing. Um, we go back and forth and we say, this is my number one pick for a thing that has to be in the list. And we and we build our list that way. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, I never thought it was an original idea. I was listening to another similar podcast when I came up with this one. So ah. anyway, that's all by the by. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you haven't, if this is your first time uh, with the show, then if, I mean, if you know, I don't know if I've done that good a job of selling it to you just yet, but I would urge you to uh, visit listenvypod.com and have a scroll back through some of our past episodes. Last week uh, was um, all about top five British foods, and it was uh, it was it was quite delicious. Um, this episode is with my good friend John Bounds. Now it just so happens that this was the first episode of this show that I recorded back in August, I think. And uh, it was it was a very great pleasure. Now, uh, since then, John, uh, we, we mentioned this a little bit at the end, but John has now launched his own podcast. And um, I would do a disservice to you if I tried to explain it myself. Um, it's not a complicated format. It's two people talking about a thing, but it's the it's the specifics of the thing that I want to get right. So um, I have I have a prepared statement, which I'm now going to read. Um, it's very well written, so uh, I'd, I'd urge you to have a listen and then um, go and check out the podcast. Things fall apart. The centre cannot hold. So it's time that we admitted there are scuffles in the aisle of the Labour Party's broad church. That option no longer exists is that fight. In the red corner is John, a socialist. In the other, his old comrade Adam, a new Labourite who is now sofa surfing the centrists. They attempt to talk about Labour and mostly UK politics nicely together. Join them as they thrash out the great political questions of the week as well as the minutiae. Search for That Option No Longer Exists in your podcast app or follow That Option Pod on Twitter or Facebook. How did I do? How did I do with that read? Um, if you ever listened to my uh, my previous my previous podcast, uh, Beware of the Leopard, you might be um, slightly interested to know that I did all of that in one take, which proves that it can be done. Um, but more importantly, uh, that option no longer exists. Get it in your ears. Uh, I'm listening to it at the moment as someone who um, is is certainly sent is le- left of centre. I was going to say centre left. I don't know if that's true. I'm I'm very very like there are certain things that I get very sort of socialist about. Um, 
but uh, it's it's a really interesting listen because uh, I don't know what the correct answer is. Um, and uh, and between John and Adam, they're they're gonna they're gonna damn well try and figure it out. So uh, if you're interested in the uh, the um, the struggles that the that the left is going through at the moment uh, and and this particular part of the left, then uh, do check out that option. No longer exists. Uh, now this episode is all about seventies sitcoms. It is a topic. Uh, very close to John's heart. Um, and as is the case with many of these lists, it's not necessarily something about which I had a lot to say, but I did have some very good uh, opinions and some very correct opinions. Um, so, uh, right, uh, that, that's quite enough to do, apart from just to say, uh, if you do want to follow the, the show and uh, say hi and all the rest of it, You'll find us uh, on Twitter and Facebook at List Envy Pod. We're on Instagram as li- uh, at List Envy. And if you have any questions that you want to email, then you can do so at listenvy at gmail.com. And that's enough ado. Let's play the episode. I, I, I was thinking that what I needed to do in the, the start of this podcast was establish my credentials yep. for why I'm allowed to talk about British sitcoms of the 70s. My first question. This- well, despite the fact that I was born in the mid seventies, mm-hmm. so I doubt I really watched anything other than sort of Bagpuss and Play <laughs> Away and Play School and the Test Card because there wasn't anything on in the day. <laughs> um, in the actual seventies, so I've watched everything that I've watched. I've watched on repeat, but I don't have any professional qualifications. I write funny things, but I've never written a sitcom. But I absolutely adore not only sitcoms but sitcoms of the era. Um, we're talking about. I've watched so many of them. Um, before there was such a thing as uh, box sets, we used to have VHS tapes, and then when long play come out, you could get every episode of Forty oh, Towers nice. on a on a, a long play single tape VHS. The quality would be terrible, but you could watch it. Yeah, watch them over and over and over again. And um, the, the same with lots of things we're probably going to talk about is, and we've been thinking about it and I was uh, riding my motorbike into work today and I'm nearly had a crash because I had the theme tune from Bread <laughs> in my head, but just one little bit of the theme tune from Bread. And I know Bread's the eighties, but there's a knock on effects mm-hmm. of something I was thinking about when we were thinking about this program. I was going, gotta get up, gotta get out of and I got the harmonies just going, I got nothing, this bloody great lorry was coming down the side. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you talking about that led me to think about the only show that I can think of that is of an age, I mean, it, it's an age now, it's ridiculous to think of this, but Friends is one of the very few shows that is, you know, it's now, what, 20 years old, something ridiculous like that. Um, and it's it's something that the kids still watch. You and I grew up on TV from 20, 30 years ago, especially if you were home from school. There was a lot of stuff like that. Um, where is where has all that gone? Do we just not do that anymore because there's so much new stuff? We just don't bother with with watching well, the old stuff. Well, we do. We do. For a start, we get all the American stuff as, almost as soon as it yeah. comes out. I mean, it, we we used to be years behind, but. You've got it's there. You've got to hunt for it. So mm. um, it, it, you got to you got to you've got to go up into the five hundreds, maybe on the, <laughs> on, the, the, DVR, on, the yeah. on the on the DVR, and you could find you'll find uh, yesterday. Oh yes, the channel which is uh, constantly running a lower low, low. Mm. and um, if you, I don't know if you've uh, ever watched anything on it, um, but uh, talking pictures. No, which is a uh, it's right at the top of the free view, yeah. and it's on Virgin as well, and it. 
essentially uh, its pitch to people was, you remember how there used to be Lauren and Hardy films on in the school holidays? Mm. There weren't. There aren't anymore, are there? No. But they bought up the rights <laughs> to all the um, Lauren and Hardy films. So they showed Lauren and Hardy films. They show lots of, uh, like, British comedies from the 40s and 50s. I was going to say, like, it's like George Foreman, uh, George Foreman, George, George Formby. Yeah. George, yeah, George Formby always yeah. getting his grill out. It's turned out <laughs> nice again. The um, George Formby, Will Hay, um, lots of kind of like sub Ealing mm. or sub carry on things. Mm-hmm. I I have a terrible addiction to looking at the listings for this um, channel. Mm-hmm. Going, I really need to watch that. <laughs> Setting it to record on the PVR, and the box is just filling up and up <laughs> and up and up. And there's already three series of Boone on there, so <laughs> there's course. not a lot of room. <laughs> All right, so let us let us begin um, by discussing what hasn't made the list. What's the stuff that you know? You sort of may, maybe honourable mentions, but you're just thinking. No, this one, this one doesn't make the cut. Well, that's that's kind of easy, and I think um, I don't think you'll disagree. Um, there's no way, even though it started in the seventies, that Last of the Summer Wine was going to make my top five. Nope. Um, I understand it's very popular. Never liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Understand that it provided a, a lovely retirement home for lots of great British um, comedy actors mm-hmm. and actresses, which was very useful in that respect, but but not for me. Um, and but but some that I so there are some that I feel are really important comedies that I I don't really like. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to we're not gonna, so um to the manor born for example. Yeah, uh, lots of people really really rate that. Mm. Um, and you know me, Mark. I like a bit of a sort of a classing class <laughs> culture. Um, yeah, I like a bit a little bit of politics slips in there. But um, I, I just don't didn't warm to the characters, and I think it's um, a slightly too uh, mature, um, perhaps theme for me because it's it's a will they won't they thing. Yeah, and that's never really been my that's never really been my bit. Your shtick, yeah. Um, and there are some things that are just crap. Um, so uh, come back, Mrs. Noah is often cited <laughs> as uh, being crap. It's a it was a star vehicle for Molly Sugden where she was accidentally launched into space. Goodness gracious, mate! Right, okay. Um, it's uh, it's apparently uh, from from those who've watched it, it's just a cavalcade of arse and dick jokes. Right, okay. Um, with a, a and sort of like go, oh no, what's she done? Well, what's she gone into space for? It's like the British space um ex, exp, expedition mm. of the nineteen seventies is as of all that entails. So that was never going to make the. Um, I think it's a bit of a cliche to say that it, oh, this is one of the worst programs ever made, but apparently it really, really <laughs> is awful. It's, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout a few uh, things out here that haven't made my list and, and you might find controversial. Last of the Summer Wine was certainly um, on my list of not being in the list. Um, I've also got Dad's Army. Dad's Army hasn't Ooh. made my list. Doesn't mean it can't make the final list, but it hasn't made my list. Um, Steptoe and Son. Couldn't, um, it, it started It started in the 60s, but it went a fair bit into the 70s, so I think it counts. And, but... and that's, because, that's because you don't That's because you don't like it or yeah. you don't think it's worthy or... Yeah, I I don't I I don't really. Um I never I never really took to it. And there's another show 
um, that felt very similar to me, um, which I watched, which is Till Death Us Do Part. Oh, of course. So, yeah, that's that's not anywhere near the top of my list no. either. And um, I never I never watched it, um, Till Death Us Do Part, I don't think. But I did used to like the uh, In Sickness and In Health, the sort of um, sequel. Ah, okay. Uh, and I am now kind of quite embarrassed about liking it. I don't think when I was um, young, I, I understood it. Mm. I don't think I understood, probably didn't understand that you were meant to be laughing at the the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember enjo- mainly enjoying, which is probably to my credit, um, Ken Campbell's Angry Next Door Neighbour. Mm. And Ken Campbell is excellent and he's excellent in everything and he was excellent in that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, th- no, so that's um, I, th- I find that a little bit of an e- embarrassment, and we could we could talk all night about um, sort of uh, disturbingly racist elements of British sitcom. Yeah, and um, it's probably a, a bit of a cliche to do so. But what <laughs> I would say is in so I made a list of because um, uh, uh, I know that's the the, the, the name of the, <laughs> the game, but I'm but I. I found five so difficult that my list got up to in the mid twenties before I stopped. <laughs> this is a man who dearly loves this subject matter. This is, uh, this is true, but um, uh, yeah, but I got in there and I looked at it and there is only one regular uh, BME character. Oh, wow. In the entire lot. Yeah. yeah. And that's not because I, I hope that's mm-hmm. not because I didn't, um, that's not because I didn't notice or think. I think it's essentially because on mainstream, and there was only mainstream TV then, mm-hmm. there simply weren't any. Yeah, absolutely. Three channels. Uh, and yeah, three channels and everyone was white, pretty much. Um, so I think one of the things I, I, I certainly want to say off the bat um, is going through some of this stuff. I'm not a fan of necessarily judging things made 30 40 years ago by today's standards i don't think that's fair and i don't think it's particularly helpful um we we're not here to score woke points and and point and laugh and at uh, the the, uh, the ignorance um although there are some things where you're like oh even by even by those standards that's pretty harsh um on on the, on the buses was one that um that that took me by surprise i found yeah, that I've, kind of tasteless i've got a bit of a soft spot from okay buses. yeah no I, th- I think this is something i know about you um as i'm a i'm a i'm a huge fan of um how it creates sort of like cultural resonance the ripples of on the buses spread out on the buses was a huge stone chucked into the um stagnant pond of uh <laughs> british culture in the mid 70s um it is shit mm. though the, the you look at the episodes and they not only depress you because of some of the subject matter and some of the writing being poor, mm-hmm. it depresses you because of possibly because it showed what was fairly true life. Then mm. the house, the housing conditions are cramped. The um, people have no space. So a lot of the stories are about Reg Varney's character wanting to get married so he can leave Mm-hmm. The family home, which has got his sister and her, her husband and their baby and babies and the mum, and it's constantly sitting in this around this tiny kitchen table, mm. um, and it's a, there's a kind of the 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 sort of sex or sort of sexual aggression of um, of Jack and uh, and and him were 
were a kind of sort of escapism. They they couldn't be, they couldn't be grown up in their own house, even though they were getting on a bit. They had this was sort of an almost like a teenage response mm. to attempting to find space outside the outside the house. But I, um, you've got to admit the bit in the film of Holiday on the buses where they, a lion gets onto the bus is very funny. <laughs> And a um, lot of time for uh, Blakey from On the Buses, who um, uh, was a, a great um, actor, and he died recently, Stephen Lewis. But he was um, apparently, when there were elections going on in London, would happily drive around on an open-top bus going, Oh, I hate you, Butler, vote Labour! <laughs> uh, to try and get the Labour characters in because he knew he was trying to use the power of his fame. So uh, all, all, uh, all power, uh, resting power there. Um, any, any, any more to to bring out? Uh, any more dead to bring out before we, um, before we go to our actual picks? Well, the, this, this, this is one that I'm, I'm going to talk about, and I, I think I don't dislike it, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's bubbling so far under. We're never going to get through it. <laughs> um, I just thought it was important to mention Sykes. Oh wow! Um, so uh, Eric Sykes is a sitcom he, where he sort of um, in the in the in he, it's a weird setup where he's living with his sister played by Hattie Jakes, mm. and he. He was the he's the only, as far as I can establish, sort of solo writer performer out of this whole raft of seventy sitcoms mm. that I've been thinking about, which seems to be a really modern thing. Yes. So you think about the modern sitcoms. I was thinking about two that've been on BBC One or three recently, not going out, which I really like, mm-hmm. and Josh, the Josh Whittacombe sitcom, which <gasps> I really like. Oh my god! Right. Oh, we've got to have words. Sorry, John. I, 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 we, we've got to have words. I, I watched this recently, Josh, um, mm-hmm. and because I'd seen him on, I'd seen him a bit of stand up and thought he was okay, and I'd seen him on uh, the last leg and, and quite liked him. And it was, I, I got about an episode and a half through the first series before I realised I was hate watching it. I hate Ooh. that show, and I now hate Josh Widdicombe. I I, I, and it's fine that you don't agree and i'm not i'm not asking you to justify it at all i was really taken aback by how bad i thought it was i think i would like to um make a case that it's almost that rather than all the at the same time as as me saying that the sort of solo writer performer is a more is a very modern thing um you know essentially stand-ups get a get a sitcom and which is why we don't get so many episodes of a lot of them, isn't it? Because they've run out of their material after after a couple of series. But the um, I actually think that Josh is quite a return to a traditional sitcom setup. It's not trying to do anything too clever, which is possibly also true of not going out. Which is, and I think I've got a lot of time for 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 both of them. If you haven't seen Josh, it's well worth checking out a couple of episodes just to see if you which side of this particular fence you fall on. Um, because if you like it, I think you might really like it. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I. It was. It was. It was weird. Like I couldn't necessarily see all the jokes coming, but as soon as they landed, I was like, "Yeah, that's that's the joke you make at that point." But yeah, so so Sykes. I just think it's. I think it's worth mentioning. It's it's really nice. It's very well structured. It's very well written. 
it's comfortable, it's interesting, it's innovative in the sense that it was using a, I don't know, it's a sort of semi-reality, and it's kind of that thing where uh, Eric Sykes is playing this sort of exaggerated version of himself almost, which feels really, really modern. Um, it's not made my top 10 even of the the best or funniest sitcoms so we're not really going we're not really going to talk about it but i think it's um if i if if the list was not the the best if the list was the most important i think you might have a case for being in there why not why not let's have your first pick of uh, of of what what you want to add to the list okay well let's just get something out of the way because mm. it's going to be number it's going to be number 1 um, it's, it's the best sitcom of the 70s. I'm going to say of all time. Um, I've watched it far more times than I've had it for breakfast. It's Porridge. Ah, okay. That's on my list. Um, I, it's not at the yeah. top, but it's on my list. It's it, it's 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 a phenomenal programme. Mm-hmm. Um, it was added to Netflix about six months ago. Mm. I sat and watched the entire uh, run again in a, in a couple of settings. Mm-hmm. It's... A piece of absolute genius um, from uh, Dick Clement and Ian the Frenny, obviously, mm-hmm. who wrote it, to um, every single performance in it is perfectly timed, perfectly, the jokes are taken, the acting is well done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very quick. So, not not yeah. all of these shows are sort of quick with the one-liners, but there's lots of those little one-liners in Porridge. It's got the one-liners. It's got the sort. Of, it's got the pathos. Mm-hmm. It's got the characters that are believable, deep. It's got an array of. It's got an array. It's got to create this whole world of people who are in Slade Prison, who are um, they're be- they're believable. You, um, I was actually uh, thinking about this, and the the only character in the whole damn thing that isn't particularly believable is um old blanco played by sort of david jason as oh a, yeah a little bit of a guest spot mm-hmm. and it's probably because you're to, to to our modern ears we're going oh that's the famous actor david jason <laughs> when he was young pretending to be an old man it's a bit distracting <laughs> yeah but the the first i don't i don't I can't remember how recently you've watched the first episode of it the first episode of porridge is um it's the one the, i always the, remember the new, yeah, the new intake. Yeah, and the the new intake is um, essentially um, uh, Fletch, played by the wonderful um, Ronnie Barker, um, Godber, played by Richard Beckinsale, and um, Mister Heslop, played by uh, the aging, balding Bobby Charlton from Kes, uh, <laughs> the uh, res- the wrestling maniac Brian Glover, also in <laughs> Aliens Three. Oh, wow. uh, Great performance in Alien 3. Yeah. Yeah. Alien? Is it Alien 3 or Alien 3? I can never know. Alien 3s. It's the best Alien film, by the way. Alien films go 3, 1, 4, 2 in that order. um, But there's a couple of phenomenal lines, and we were talking about the sort of like the the sort of wokeness and Mm -hmm. and not trying to to judge things. Mm -hmm. And you could sit down and pick bits out of porridge but i think you'd be wrong to because i think at the time that they did that i'm fairly certain that the writers and the actors knew that those some of the things they say particularly about homosexuals and black people are it's not horrible it was on it was mainstream bbc one but it was it's 
it's it's probably much much nicer than real people in prison at that time would have been saying yeah um so there's a and there's a for every and and both people of other races like i said the only uh, recurring black character is in porridge and the sort of recurring homosexual characters it's it might be an issue it might be commented upon but it doesn't stop those characters being part of the wider family of inmates mm-hmm. and being loved and respected and having their own things to bring to the table but that first episode is phenomenal mm-hmm. there are two wonderful wonderful jokes there's um when uh, Fletch is uh, asked to uh, fill a, um, a specimen jar, a specimen sample jar of of where, and he just says, "What from here?" That is um, the the line um, from here, and um, with my feet um, are mm. two that we talked on on Beware of the Leopard a while back about things that are just canon within our families, just things that we say and. Whenever it will come up, my mum especially, if there's anything to do with feet or distance, um, it will come up, and it's usually the, the same, the same two lines with those feet from here. <laughs> it's it's great, and I think um, another thing about the sort of depth of characters. So now everybody really remembers Porridge about as a thing by being about um, uh, Fletch and Godber in a cell together. Mm-hmm. And the, and some of the really sort of classic episodes are almost two handers, like um, mm-hmm. quite night in, and the film is pretty much a two hander in, in lots of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the film was uh, made right at the end of the seventies. The um, but the uh, in the first series, Godbat is not only barely in it; mm. he's a he's a minor character, and the the notable part of it is actually watching how quickly he stops bothering to do the Birmingham accent. <laughs> it's quite heavy mm. in episode one. It's gone by about three. <laughs> Much like Peaky Blinders. Yeah. it's um, But it's, it's yeah, it's wonderful. It's charming. Mm-hmm. It's clever. It's sweet. It's got things to say about justice, mm-hmm. about penal reform about friendship about aging mm-hmm. about uh how about class in terms of um particularly when the 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 mr banyard the the dentist defrock dentist and then the the episode where the couple of episodes where the friend of the governor who was the the judge that sent fletch down mm. becomes his cellmate yes uh yes. is it I mean, it's yeah. I, you don't mind being sent to prison by um, by by upstanding members of the community, but when you, I don't want to be sent to prison by a crook like like <laughs> me. I sent to, I paraphrase, but um, yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal, and I would I quite happily sit and watch the whole thing again and again. That could, it could well be my Desert Island TV program. Ah, oh, well, lovely. Well, um, I'm gonna stick. With Barker, then. Um, so this is in no particular order. I am going to um, submit um, Open All Hours. I've got a love for got a lot of love for Open All Hours. Uh, it's it's right right down on my list. It's got I had ah. no chance of hitting. The, it had no chance of hitting the top five. Um, I. It's one of those that was on BBC a lot, um, sort of tea time, and um, unlike. Things like uh, "Are you being served?" Um, I found it actually quite watchable. Um, there's 
broad characters. There's this. So you've got um, Ronnie Barker, who's playing this this character who uh, just decides as an acting choice that he's going to give the main character this stutter. And it then, he, he does it so well and it becomes part of the shtick of the character that the writers in, in subsequent series actually write that and they get to write gags um, around it because it was it was such a sort of a sweet little affectation that was never it was never a, a written part of the character but it was just something that made sense and it's something that's become quite definable uh, about the character and it had lovely moments like he had a sort of thought for the day at the end of each episode where he'd stand outside the the shop um and just uh, have a have a little think I th- I, you've you've warmed me up again to it actually i think because i i find it a little bit repetitive and it pales into it pales into insignificance next to to porridge and when you consider that they were both um both came out of uh, a sort of a comedy playhouse mm. season uh or seven of one which was uh oh yeah was written for, for for ronnie barker and different characters um it's phenomenal to think that they were going on at the same time uh and i always i think because open all hours went on for longer and possibly got repeated more often yeah i consider i consider open all hours a bit more of a of a an, an 80s thing almost so it was mm. probably a bit of a surprise to me when i started oh yeah of course it was um it could have been that but and i think it's warm it's small it's intimate um and i think it's all the the better for that i just think as we 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 talk and we go on there are just i'm afraid <laughs> some things that are better than it yes yeah absolutely um okay so um that's probably not gonna make the list so what's what's your next pick well it's uh, you can't go you can't go wrong with this most of the people would probably put this at number one faulty towers it's my number one uh yeah it's the perfect farce mm-hmm. um it has elements of satire it is um a microcosm and it's a a satire on a particular sort of subset of of Englishness, of little Englishness, Englishness of, yeah, yeah, Englishness of that time. Mm-hmm. But it's also a, a a sort of satire on the the world of work and mm-hmm. the aspirations of 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 man and and woman to to be their own bosses. And then you find um, if you you know you can strike out i'm not gonna have a bus i'm I'm going to run my own business you just find you've got lots and lots and lots of buses then uh mm-hmm. the customers and you 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 flounder and um as a piece of work faulty towers is polished to within an inch of its life you know how you sometimes um see an old episode of golden age simpsons or, mm. or something this is this is Equally true of Faulty Towers. You watch an episode of Faulty Towers and, you, and you've been watching it for five minutes and, like, there's enough things that you remembered that were really good and you think, oh, Christ, I've been on for five minutes mm-hmm. and all that's happened, that entire thing, which would sustain an episode in lots of <laughs> modern comedies, would sustain a novel a lot of the time, done and dusted within five minutes, tiny little C-plot mm-hmm. given to a minor character. It's yeah it's it's great it's a, a a wonderful 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 example of of people at the top of their game um honing the the craft of of farce in particular and it probably only it's it's not up there with porridge for me i think because the sort of farcical nature of it 
is not as purely enjoyable to me. It makes me slightly uncomfortable. I'm yep. on edge. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, when people say it's a, the best sort of British TV show of all time, you can't find a lot to argue with them about it. No. The episode with the um, woman who is hard of hearing, who who has, I had 85 pounds, who had 85 pounds Mrs. stolen. Mrs. Richards. Mrs. Richards. When I pay for a view, I expect something more interesting than that. But that is Torquay, madam. But it's not good enough. <laughs> well, may I ask what you were expecting to see out of a Torquay hotel bedroom window? <laughs> Sydney Opera House, perhaps? The hanging gardens of Babylon? Herds of wildebeest sweeping majestically? <laughs> so many of those little moments, the, the, the confusion with the hearing aid it not being turned on, um, the... They're just oh she's probably you know she loses her money oh we, she's probably lost it or eaten it or something just the little lots of little lines in that whole thing I think that might also be the one where he he, he gets very contemplative and he sits in his office and he's just going that's your life mate oh, warm oh do I get another one nah sorry mate that's your lot oh, back to the world of dreams it's very very short it's only about fifteen seconds but like you're saying it's so dense. And it's so tightly packed and so um, concentrated that you you feel like it expands a lot in your mind, even though it it is it is very short. I think, yeah, I think that's true. And people who who uh, hold up um, forty thousand in finished after twelve episodes, and you know that's that's the good thing. Go out while you're Mm -hmm. ahead. I think I think the answer is go out when you've done what you set out to do. Yes. And it's it's very difficult to see how more episodes of Forty Towers would have made Forty Towers better. <laughs> there are some there are some sitcoms here where I could say, God, just make bloody loads of them. Mm-hmm. Um and it doesn't matter because what I'm not I'm not looking for this particular sort of I don't know it's quite stagey. This sort of yes. st- this sort of stagey dense it's sort of it's timeless in the sense that um it's timeless in the sense that you could have shakespeare could have done those plots pretty much Mm. yeah Um, in fact he probably did yeah 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 no absolutely because farce is is basically about an essential taboo being broken and those kinds of taboos even as as a world where we get more enlightened and all the rest of it there are still certain taboos that we just we we have our little secrets, little peccadillos, whether it's about sex or gambling or class. Um, we have these these little things, and and it's just it just takes one little lie, and then the lie has to um, be supported with more lies, and and you have to bring more people in the conspiracy, and it starts very simply, and those kinds of things. The dressing around it doesn't age, you know the 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 shirts open to the waist to indicate a, a guy who's probably a bit loose with his wanger um just a few of those things don't really don't really work but the core of it's a it's it's some kind of taboo or some kind of line has been crossed a transgression and it's just about the cover-up and, and everything that you know a, a person dying in a hotel is something that happens a lot it happens in all hotels and it it will continue to happen and yet because they just can't figure out the sensible way to deal with this. I'm sorry, everyone. There's been a death in the hotel. Stay in your rooms. We'll get the body down and we'll we'll you know take it to the coroner. Blah blah. blah. Like that's all you need to do. But because they can't do that, you you have what is essentially something that happens all the time becomes 
this, you know, great, great moment. Um, but it actually happened to someone I know mm. this last week. Their, um, wow. their father was on holiday in Torquay, died oh. in the hotel room. Oh, God. So um, he's, uh, he, he was referred to, oh, we were talk, talking to uh, someone who also knew him. He said, Where's he gone? Oh, he's gone down to Torquay to pick up the laundry basket. He's <laughs> in the basket. Oh, lovely. Okay. Um, like, we better get a rig along because uh, we've only filled two slots. Um, I'm going to make a case for a show that I've not watched properly. I've only seen one episode and I only saw it today, but I was really taken with it. And I think I might watch more of it. Um, and I wonder where it's going to be because it's one of these shows that's had a sequel. Um, and uh, I, I feel like the sequel might be on your list if this one isn't. It's Man About the House. Oh, yeah! It's not on my. It's not on my list at all, and neither is uh, Robin's Nest. Right? I, I am. I am surprised. Um, I quite liked this. Um, I liked the central characters. I just, I actually liked them. I, I don't find that necessarily with a lot of sitcoms. I mean, you know, I watched um, Till Death Is Do Part and all the men were shouting and, and all the women were screeching and I didn't like any of them. Um, whereas Man About the House, I mean, okay, I know that it'll get more problematic as, as I watch more episodes. I'm, I'm certain of that, but it was quite sweet. And even in the sort of one bloke, two women kind of setup that it is, it was quite sweet. And he, you know, he this 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 guy uh, this kind of student guy um failed um student chef um lives with with two women it's not apparently it's not important what they do um yeah, so we we don't know that but there's a you know there's a couple of little gags that you're like maybe not but it's actually the relationships between them are based on friendship and um in that sense it was it was really sweet and the performances were quite nice and some of them were, were kind of quite believable and i was i was charmed by it and so i kind of wanted to make a case for it even if it's not one of them because i'm still umming and ahhing about a couple of my my other options so I, I kind of wanted to put that one forward but um it's interesting that it's it's not it's not major lists it's nice that it's no from it's nice it's gentle um um russo sullivan is a a, a very watchable mm. actor um, um, I think I think it actually suffers because I, when you were talking about the sequels, I you were probably thinking not of Robin's Nest, which I immediately thought of, which is the one. That's where what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I, you may have been thinking. I thought you were thinking mm-hmm. about George and Mildred, which oh, is the wow. other sequel. I didn't know that. Or okay. spin-off. Yeah. Um, with the 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 landlord and landlady, yes. which became more famous, and yeah. I really don't like George and Mildred. It makes me really uncomfortable. Oh wow! So it kind of like um. That sort of back infects, even though they're not in it that much. Yeah, back infects the idea of uh, of watching Man About the House yes. as well. Um, no, I think I, I've I've got no problem with it. Mm-hmm. It's um, but crikey, when you, I look back and it, it didn't come in my top twenty. That's mm. that's that's not a, yeah, not a great um, endorsement. <laughs> no, indeed. Okay, uh, well, um, give 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 us another hit. Okay. Um, this is turning into the Clement and Lafrenet show. Um, whatever happens to the likely lads? Ah, yes, I thought that might be on there. Um, I would had um, the likely lads itself uh, been made in the seventies. That would probably have sneaked in here as well. Um, but the uh, it's a lot slower. It's a different program. The, the likely lads is 
much more traditional sitcom gag 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 there are there are times in um whatever happened to where there are no real jokes for a good half of an episode it's just that relationship uh between bob and terry um just getting and it's it's played out it's a it's a great it's a great show about what is essentially a love affair between two men and a lot of a lot of sitcoms are about sort of traditionally the way you define a sitcom is that people are trapped together and Bob and Terry are trapped together by nothing other than their sheer affection and shared history. They could walk away. And in fact, in between the two series, the idea is that Terry does, but he comes back and it's, um, again, obviously Clement Frenny brilliantly written. It's gentle. It has a lot to say about the change of as Britain as it changed from the sixties to the seventies, the sort of birth of sort of aspirational working class um culture. The film of it is phenomenal. Um it's a great film. It's one of the uh, it's possibly one of my top ten films of all time. Um I I love it. Brilliantly acted, great cast perfect script and um and the the sort of comic the there are absolutely hilarious sort of comic moments in it um and everybody cites the uh oh brian glover, brian glover again in the um not wanting to hear the result of the football match uh episode but that's a that's a a, a bad example to talk about whatever happened to like that's because quite often Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing happened to the likely lads. Okay. Um, I'm going to go... Ooh. Oh, what do I pick? I might I might face I might face derision. Um but I'm going to pick this one because it's one that I I don't I don't remember specifics but I remember I watched it every Sunday for quite a while and it had a lovely end signature tune played on the flute and or recorder. Um and uh, it's some others do have them. Mm, interesting. It's a very 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 silly program. It was um, kind of Mr. Bean with speech, uh, Mr. Bean with talking. Um, it had a man with a silly voice. Yeah, I was a child, so you know these are these are childhood memories. Um, and it was it was lots of um, British people will know phrases like "Oh, Betty, I've fallen in the water" and things like that. Um, the cat's done a whoopsie. Yeah, the cat's done a whoopsie on the carpet. Um, and it was uh, yeah, it was a guy who who went on to uh, to sing uh, the Phantom of the Opera really very well. Um, but he was he was just this. Yeah, the 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 the, the character of um, I can't remember his name now. You probably Frank will. Spencer. Frank Spencer, of course, um, was just this sort of hapless, um, just duffer, you know, uh, just just not not good at anything, but kind of likable, um, and, and always got everything wrong. So it's lots of physical humour, um, lots of running away from misunderstandings, very inconsequential, very very broad, not a. Um, an important program by any stretch, but it was it was on, and it was in that time where, when you're young, you don't realise how old certain things are. They're just on, and uh, this is one of those that I watched kind of uncritically as a as a, as a small boy. There's a, there is an awful lot of love around um, for this program, including from Joe Pasquale. Did you know who uh, owns the rights to it and he's continually attempting to get it remade? 
um, starring him. He's got a might have even have a stage show uh, on the go, uh, trying to based around it. Um, yeah, it's not my sort of thing. Um, I think it's, um, but I will defend in the in sort of a Descartian or Voltairean uh, way. I will defend to the death your <laughs> right, right to like it. <laughs> In the same way that um, uh, I won't hear a word said against Mrs. Brown's boys, and it's not just because I can't hear it over the the canned laughter. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I mean it's it's phenom it's it's phenomenally popular, mm-hmm. and that in itself is of value. Mm. Um, when we're, I mean, I know public hangings might be a bit, bit popular, <laughs> but there's nothing there's nothing the, you know there is nothing intrinsically wrong. <laughs> No, with some mothers do have them. No, and it's very, very popular. So that is that is a value in itself, and I, I promise not to be sniffy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't like it. Yep, that's fair enough. Um, go on, get, hit, hit me with another. Right. Well, I'm, well, I'm just I'm going there from the top, which means I might have to sort of back out and talk about some others at some point. But number four, this is probably a little bit of a curveball. This is not on a lot of people's classic lists. I want to make a case for John Sullivan's pre. Uh, Falls and Horses work, Citizen Smith. Yes. Um, not the only uh, uh, program here that I've also read the novelization of, mm-hmm. but the only one where I desperately enjoyed the novelization of. Um, it's it's really it's not very good, <laughs> but it's I really enjoyed it. Um, I like Citizen Smith a lot. Mm-hmm. It is a um, there's a difference between Citizen Smith and a lot of the other comedies that i'm i'm talking about in a lot of the other comedies um the central characters are people of let's say around my age Mm -hmm. um it came to me back when i was i was looking at the this stuff that i was thinking about um you know i was thinking about reggie perrin which Mm -hmm. isn't it didn't make my top five even Mm -hmm. though i love it uh i was thinking about butterflies which i think is a a great and important piece of work Mm -hmm even though it's not in my top of a perfect um, vehicle for sort of Wendy Craig. And if you want to mm. see where um, Miranda comes from, mm. my God, go and look at butterflies. <laughs> but these are, a lot of these, and even The Good Life, these are all about essentially midlife crises. Mm. People yeah. are about 40 who are stuck. Yes. And 40 felt very old then. Yes. Because um, it was. Life expectancy yeah. and all that. It was. But, but Citizen Smith, the characters in Citizen Smith are in their late teens, early 20s. Yeah. They are filled with the enthusiasm of the potential for the revolution. Mm-hmm. And that's phenomenally good. It's a, it's actually a, a really clever, in its way, satire of people who have, ex, I guess, extreme views. Mm. Um, the idea that some they believe for different reasons... Some of them really believe in it. Some are just hanging around to try and meet girls. Mm-hmm. Some of them are there sort of in the coattails of their mates. Um, and the characters that they interact with and the the way they fit into a society that doesn't really give two shits about what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but is going to, it has to tolerate them because they're their son-in-laws and cousins and they drink in their pubs or they're, they work in their shops or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have to coexist with these people with very different views. And um, any show, of course, that uh, features the red flag as the theme <laughs> tune, as a, it's going it's to be a, it's going to be a yes from me. Okay, I, I think we, I think we're going to have to we're going to have to do do a final round here. So um, I'm going to make a case 
We've already talked about it. I think I'm going to make a case for The Good Life. That was also my number five. Okay. Uh, well, this is good because The Good Life is, uh, again, you know, that as you were talking, the sort of midlife crisis um, story of of um, Richard, what's his, what's his name? I love, love the actor. Richard Bryars. Richard Bryars. Thank yeah. you. A lo- really, really lovely, lovely performance. Um, and uh, Felicity Kendall um, as this, this married couple who decide to basically up sticks from, from the big city, move to effectively the suburbs and, and have, um, and, and oh, live self-sufficiently. No, not, not quite. Well, okay. So I actually watched, I watched the um, episode, uh, the first episode, ah. the first of episodes last night to, to refresh my mind. Of course. And, um, it starts on Tom Good's 40th birthday. Ah. And he decides that he no longer wants to design the little plastic things that come in cereal boxes, <laughs> uh, for a living. And he, that's what he does. And he, he lives in Spur, Sub, Sur, Surbiton next door. They don't move. They're already there. Oh, wow. It's a great, um, it's a great program and it's a great sitcom. Um, the same team responsible for ever decreasing circles, which might, uh, we, we might be talking about that if we ever do an 80s uh, sequel, because yes. uh, that might be in my top five of the 80s. Um, also, the same people that wrote Brush Strokes. Yes, it is. The, uh, and um, also, please, sir. Which would, yeah, which is probably not quite as uh, <laughs> high in the canon, but the, um, but no, it's it's a it's a wonderful show, mm-hmm. phenomenal, tight cast. Um, a lot of the others we, we we've um, talked about have had for for sitcoms at least quite large uh, ensembles. Yeah, but, but this one's a, this one's a tight forehand. I mean, there are other people now and again, but you could you'd be hard pushed to find an episode where any of the other characters that weren't in those four were really needed. Yeah, I think um, what uh, is is certainly true about the sitcom genre is that we're we're talking we're talking about it. I think both of us were talking about it that a lot of this is writer led in a way. So we, we've got Clement and Lafrenet there with two. We've got John Cleese and Connie Booth, John Sullivan, Larby and Esben, and just. Below that, I think the next few that I was I was thinking about, which we probably we're not going to talk about, was Steptoe's son, Galton Simpson. There, they essentially invented the British sitcom, but that falls into the fifties and on radio and the sixties on TV, so it's not um, not not in our things. With Steptoe and Son, with um, Dad's Army, there you've got Croft and Perry, and that's their high watermark, and they wrote a phenomenal amount of stuff. Absolutely. Um, have you got? Uh... Uh, any any sort of final picks before we 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 dive into uh, our picking uh, our final five and settling on an order well sort of um things that we haven't mentioned that we probably uh should have mentioned um we haven't mentioned bless this house which might be the best itv sitcom ah uh i don't know it's up there with uh, pompeii of course on itv at some points um written um in part by carla lane she wrote a few of the episodes uh, a vehicle essentially for sid james Mm mm-hmm um to play his Sid James character. <laughs> but it's a lot but it's a lot more gentle because it's a family based sort of um sitcom. It's a it's a very conventional mm-hmm. here is a uh two child family that are living in the suburbs sitcom. Um yeah, I've got a lot of time for it. The film again, excellent. The film is really good. Mm. Um so uh, Only When I Laugh. Oh yeah. Which I remember loving when I was a kid. And that was I was do... that not a radio series uh initially? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. and and that does show. Um, that is um, when you you talk about those sort of closed um, set things, which Gordon Simpson used to do very very well with Hancock, um, the sort of uh, locked room 
type shows. Um, only when I laugh, it's a sort of locked room premise. It never goes outside that ward of the hospital. Mm. Um, they kept it going for, for bloody ages. What was wrong with these people? <laughs> they're, these, they're the original bed blockers. Um <laughs> But it, I've got a lot, of, a lot of time for that. Also, that's also on ITV. Mm-hmm. Rising Damp, we've we've touched on, but I've it just always made me feel dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's it does. It's the I've lived in places like that that look like they're <laughs> rotting. Um, and I'm 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 glad to be out of them. And then. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we talked about um, sequels. the The sequel to uh, Porridge Going Straight, so yep. around for one series, is yep. um, well worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a much jauntier the theme tune than the, than the original, I'm going straight. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, we didn't talk about Terry in June. No, it's not good. <laughs> it's it's got no critical merit. Sure, uh, but you can you can laugh at it. And um, when we think about um, how uh, June Whitfield's career started, like, you know, she worked with Hancock. She worked on the Carry On. She worked with um, Terry Scott on that long-running thing. She worked in the Absolutely Fabulous, and she was still working right to the end with all the the young comedians. And what a, um, yeah, it's it's memorable, if only for uh, providing them the central scaffold of a wonderful career. Mm Mm-hmm. So the the time has come. Um, so on on I think what what we've got here uh, the fi- the final list in no particular order. Well, actually, I think in the order of discussion, uh, is porridge, faulty towers, whatever happened to the likely lads, Citizen Smith, and the Good Life. That was my top five. Yeah. Okay. Oh, lovely. Wow. Okay. What is number five? So we both really liked the Good Life, and we both had it, and it was a. A late entry, actually, to my top five because I had Steptoe Son in there for a while. I had Dad's Army in there for a while. I had Up Pompeii in there for a while, but it, it got there to five. And I, I, I'm willing for you, Mark, mm. to bump that above Citizen Smith because um, Citizen Smith is an acquired taste, and it isn't. It isn't as deep as the others. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, a, I have, like, I have. I think I feel I have personal. Um, affection for it, but I couldn't honestly make a case for it being better than The Good Life to the wider public. Sure. Uh, I think we'll quibble about one and two. So uh, Likely Lads is, is, I guess, coming in at three. Yeah. I've, I've really got I've really got to make the case here. Um, <sighs> Faulty Towers has got to be a number one. It's, it's, porridge has got to be two. Okay, explain. Don't tell me why Faulty Towers is good, because I agree with you. Tell me why it's better than Porridge. Um, I think the it is it's that nature of the so porridge has got lots of really good gags and it's got that sort of nice ensemble. Um, there's 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 lots of it, but there is something to the singular distilled performances, um, especially of uh, of John Cleese, but also of. Um, uh, instantly forgotten his name. Um, Sax, um, who, uh, Oliver, Oliver Sax, um, Andrew. Pl- Andrew, who's Oliver Sax is someone completely different. It's the man. Uh, Andrew Sax is the man who uh, mistook his um, daughter for Roger, uh, Russell Brand's sex object. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yeah. So uh, you know his performance. Um, lots of 
wonderful little bit parts. Um, there's the, the the hotel inspector. There's this just there are lines in that show that stick with me and I think with other people. There are affectations. There are things like beating the car up with a branch <laughs> that it just speaks to a a part of ourselves that we can we understand impotent rage because of that um what i'm i'm worried about in making them i can make a very positive case for porridge but i think what i'm about to do slightly is make a negative case against faulty towers um good go yeah yeah the, absolutely. Um, there's i totally agree with you that that the car beating with a stick thing it's um it's a little bit in my mind right now, sort of Del Boy falling through the bar. Oh, it's it's it feels yeah, but that's take that's not to do with the the nature of the work. It's to do with the nature of um, sort of the mimetic uh, nature of culture and how it's yes expanded um, like uh, like bindweed into British culture. Mm. The I'm also going to say that the while it works brilliantly well, the character of Manuel is not well-developed um i think it's uh it's he's genuinely shown as stupid as well as not understanding things i disagree um i disagree i think um there is there is the language barrier but um there is he he's underestimated and i think that's proven in the betting episode where Faulty runs over to him and says, you, you have this long protracted conversation with, you know nothing. Always, always you say I know nothing. Why, why, why do you say, I learn, I learn, Faulty. I, I, I try and learn. And the, the whole thing ends with, Basil had said at the beginning of the episode, you know, put some money on this horse, don't tell anyone. And it ends with him saying, the, the, the money I put on the horse, don't tell anyone. And, and, and Manuel goes, I know that, you told me that yesterday. Like, he's not, he's not, dumb he he gets flustered and he's because he's constantly under the boot of faulty he's constantly getting ready to get slapped um john has actually said this himself that he he never thought he was um he never thought manuel was meant to be the butt of the joke he never thought he was meant to be silly or stupid he was always trying his best um and i i think that is a, a redeeming part of it from a writer's point of view this is a a, a case I'm, I'm going to make i've i've got I have a book of the scripts of Faulty Towers, um, and I, I've read them, and I, I find them, yeah, I find them incredibly entertaining. But I, I spoke about reading the novel of Verses uh, and Smith. I've also I've got the novel of the Porridge film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically someone... <laughs> the book of the film of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, the book is not better than the film. Okay, um, it, but it's basically sort of written on top of the script. And I would love Clement and Lafrenet of, of, to have written the novel first or written the novel themselves or have written a novel that wasn't based on a script. Not that they, they didn't write the novel, if you know what I mean. Because I would totally read a novel of Porridge. I can't read a novel of Faulty Towers. They're, they're different. And the, 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 the placing of Porridge ahead of Faulty Towers, for me at least, is not a reflection on the, the quality of the things because they're both excellent absolutely tip top the best things that have ever been made pretty much but um sitcom in its pure form it's sort of 
homely sort of slightly pathotic mm-hmm. uh, form beats for me the 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 best of high farce. I'm going to I'm going to make the case that um, a quiet night in, which is uh, the sort of apex of that of that part of porridge, where uh, Fletch and, and Godber are, are spending not not Lenny's uh, first, but one of his first nights in a cell. And he's really struggling with the locked door. He's struggling with the darkness. He's struggling psychologically with being in prison. And essentially, Fletcher does not want to care about him. But he's made to be at close quarters with him. But is then made by his own good nature, lest he tries, lest he tries to hide it, um, to care about Lenny's well-being. We'll be all right, you and me. We could go out tonight if you like. <laughs> With them dancers? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Or I could uh, ring up Miss, Miss Sharon Spencer there, couldn't I? She's bound to have a big friend, isn't she, eh? <laughs> we could go up west again, eh? Do all the nightclubs. It's discos now. Oh, is it? Well, as you prefer, as you prefer, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow, give it a thought, right? Yeah, uh, well, I'll see how I feel like. That's you know. it, yeah. <laughs> Still, on the other hand, Fletch, yeah? well, if we don't want to go out, we could always have another quiet night in. Right. Right. It's a wonderful 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 piece of writing but it's also a great piece of acting but it's also again as i was talking to about whatever happened to the the lightly lads is a it's a meditation on friendship and male relationships the the good life is a wonderful sort of example of a almost perfect couple Mm -hmm. relationship uh sort of male female couple but these sort of um it's not a bromance it's not that. It's, no. You can have, but you can, and th- these relationships are important. And I think one of the reasons why Porridge and the Lightning Lads are so important to me is it's great to see those sort of role models of relationship on screen, as it were. Fletch and Godber, Bob and Terry, these are um, not I- not idealised things to look up to, but they are great examples of how men can be hard funny cruel but still deeply care about each other um whereas i as much as i love faulty towers it's a stage play about some people that aren't real john you had me at uh quite night in i needn't have bothered with all this stuff <laughs> yeah had i think I, I'd forgotten about that, and I, I, I've not seen every every porridge episode, but I have seen that. Um, and I think I think you're right. As much as Faulty Towers speaks to me in certain ways, I think that you're right that there is a lot more. There are big characters in Faulty Towers, but there's a lot more character in Porridge, in 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 all its um, patchwork. But it's it's. They, they don't have to be quite so colourful, but they they can be they can be deeper um, deeper shades. And I think uh, I think I think you've made a really good case for that. So um, top of the list then is uh, is porridge. Woo-hoo! Well, that is our list, um, and that is that is definitive. Um, we we have uh, we have now the uh, the the ultimate um, final uh, final five. Our top five: uh, Citizen Smith, The Good Life, Whatever Happened to the Lucky Lads, Faulty Towers. And porridge. Well done, John. Thank you very much. Um, where can people find you and your doings on the internet? Um, just come and follow me on Twitter 
at Bounder at the moment. And um, you'll probably, yeah, you'll be able to see the, the things I'm doing. I'm about to uh, launch another podcast, which is not at all like this one, which is essentially me and a friend arguing about politics. Um, and uh, when that's ready, you'll find me on Twitter and I'll tell you all about it. Nice. Um, should we entice people, give them a link now to subscribe or do you, do you want to keep it under your hat? Well, um, if they if they want to go to uh, that option no longer exists co or that option pod on Twitter, um, there's actually a pilot episode there right now. They can uh, go and see if they hate it without listening to the show proper. <laughs> go and yeah, have a, have a pilot. Figure out if it's uh, figure out if that option is right for you. Um, well, um, John, thank you very much for uh, for building this list with me. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's been. It's been loads of fun. There's nothing I like more than talking about 70s situation comedy. <laughs>